Welcome to Friendship with God. Today, Tom Cantor will teach us about the success of Moses in bringing 100% of the Jewish people out of Egypt and how that compared to only two people that made it into the promised land of Canaan. Now, just as Moses led 100% out of Egypt, 100% of those that trust the Lord Jesus Christ will go to heaven. However, not every person on the earth makes it into the promised land as represented by the two that went into Canaan. Why? Well, Jesus said, Straight is the gate, and narrow is the way which leadeth unto life, and few there be that find it. Now, the lost in our nation will never find the gate if they're not told about the way to the gate, especially the lost Jewish people. Now, Scripture says that blindness has come in part not in whole to the Jewish people. That means some will get saved and Jewish people do get saved and we see that at Israel Restoration Ministries. Jewish people receiving the Lord Jesus Christ, it's a wonderful work. Now we have an opportunity for you to reach a very unreached people group by being a part of Israel Restoration Ministries and working with us, building a relationship with Jewish people full time. Now if you have a calling to go to the Jewish people, especially in the Southern California area, we want you to become a full time missionary going to the Jewish people in the San Diego and Orange County area bringing them the gospel and discipling God's lost chosen nation of people. We want you to be a part of that with us. So call us today at 1-800-247-3051. 1-800-247-3051, especially if you live in the Southern California area of San Diego and Orange County. We want you to be a part of our full-time staff. 1-800-247-3051. Help reach God's lost nation of Jewish people with Israel Restoration Ministries. Now, here's Tom Cantor with today's program. And remember, today's message is available at friendshipwithgod.org for free download. Hello, and welcome to another study in our book of Exodus. We've been having a wonderful time as we've been studying God and Moses and the Jewish people. And just uh, before we continue in our study, let's first of all look to God in prayer. Father, Father, open the eyes of our understanding Touch our hearts. Take a dullness away. Take the insensitivity away. Take the distractions from us. Lord, as the song goes, may the things of this world now grow strangely dim in the light of your glory and grace. Lord, let your Bible be to us glory and grace. We thank you for hearing us in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, we've been talking about how... Moses was called by God, and he didn't know what he was getting himself into totally, although he had some idea, because it was the Jewish people had been a little hard on him, as they said to him, who made you a judge over us? Wilt thou uh, kill us like you did the Egyptians? Eh, a little hard. But God and Moses had entered into this wonderful partnership that we are so privileged to read about thousands of years ago, but still relevant today. Why? It's what he wants to do with us. God wants to be in partnership with us. So, we'll look now in Exodus 3, and we we read these things. Again, we'll look at verse 8. And I am come down to deliver them out of the hand of the Egyptians, to bring them up out of that land unto a good land, and a large unto a land flowing with milk and honey, unto the place of the Canaanites, and the Hittites, and the Amorites, and the Perizzites, and the Hivites, and the Jebusites. Now, therefore, behold, the cry of the children of Israel has come unto me, and I have also seen the oppression wherewith the Egyptians oppressed them. Come now, therefore, and I will send thee unto Pharaoh, that thou mayest bring forth my people, the children of Israel, out of Egypt. And Moses said unto God, Who am I, that I should go unto Pharaoh, and that I should bring forth the children of Israel out of Egypt? And he said, Certainly I will be with thee, 
and this shall be a token unto thee that I have sent thee. When thou hast brought forth the people out of Egypt, you shall serve God upon this mountain. Now, those words, those words in verse 10, when God said to Moses, come now therefore, that was an invitation. That was God's invitation to Moses. It was an invitation to Moses to enter into a partnership with God. Whoa, what's something? God, the king of the universe, the Adonalom, the ruler of the universe, the creator of everything. God has said to Moses, Moses, I invite you to enter into a partnership with me. Be my ambassador. I will send you. And that's what we have from those words. Come now, therefore. It's God's invitation to Moses to enter into this partnership. A partnership with a purpose. What's the purpose? Bring the Jewish people, my people, God calls them my people. Bring my people, my Jewish people, out of Egypt into Canaan. That's the partnership. That's the invitation that God is making to Moses to enter into. God and Moses in business together to bring the Jewish people out of Egypt into Canaan. And when Moses agreed, God knew what would be ahead. He knew what would be ahead because those words so important in Romans 11 too. God hath not cast away his people, which he foreknew. So important, those words. Which he foreknew. Whom he foreknew. He knew. He knew. God knew. That's what God is. He knows. He's omniscient. He knows. He knows what was in front of Moses. You know, he knew what Moses' journey was going to be like. Didn't tell him because he wanted, didn't want Moses to be scourged. So he knew. And he knew that Moses would be brought to the breaking point. Not once, many times, by the Jewish people. And God knew that Moses would need a special preparation for what was ahead. And the greatest preparation that Moses would need would be to know and to constantly be able to be reminded of that God has sent Moses. And that's the point that the Jewish people would hit the hardest on Moses. Moses would be driven by the Jewish people to the breaking point where he would doubt, have I really been sent by God? Has God really sent me? Am I really sent by God? That's the reason why God gave him this token in verse 12. So you want to think of it this way? Look at it this way. Picture God and Moses. They're starting off together in this partnership. They're starting off together down this road. The road is going to bring the Jewish people out of Egypt. The road goes to Egypt. They're going to get the Jewish people. The road leaves Egypt. They're going to get them out of Egypt. The road goes, and it's heading toward Canaan, and that's the purpose to bring them out of Egypt into Canaan. So picture God and Moses, and they're getting ready for their journey together, for their work together, and picture God kind of packing up Moses' backpack for him. So God's packing Moses' backpack for him, and because they're going to work together, and now picture God, and he's picking up this token a sign. And he's putting it in Moses' backpack. And Moses says, what's that? And God says, it's a token. It's a sign. It's a token. You need it. And God says, and Moses says, what a token for what? And God says, it's a token to remind you. Remind me of what? Remind you that I sent you. <laughs> the token is to remind you, Moses, that I sent you. Trust me, pal. You're going to need this token. You're going to need this token more than once. Because I know what you're going to face 
And you're going to need the token to remind yourself that I've sent you. God knew Moses is going to be driven by the Jewish point to doubt if he was really sent by God. Therefore, God, knowing that those times were coming and that his servant Moses is going to be taken right to the brink, right to the breaking point, right to the end of his rope, therefore God prepared Moses and he gave him this wonderful token, put it in his backpack. It was a private thing, very private. It was a private token between God and Moses. No one else, just God and Moses. And the token has to do with a place. What's the place? The place was called In verse 12, this mountain, this mountain. So God told Moses, look, there's going to be a scene, Moses, and you're going to see it with your eyes, a picture if you want to call it that, and you're going to bring all this people out of Egypt, and you're going to be standing here by this mountain with all this people, and you'll be serving God. And when you see that, capture that photo in your mind, because that's the token. And when you see that, you'll know you were sent by God because I told you. And that was going to be the token or just the little sign that God gave to Moses, private, secret, just between God and Moses. Because there's one thing that Moses really needed to know, really needed to be assured of, really needed to be confident of, really needed to be reminded of when the times got really, really hard, and that was that he was really sent by God. And when the people under you, he was God's going to say to Moses, listen, Moses, when the people under you are going to be the way I can see they're going to be, you're going to need this. Now, Moses, if the people under you obeyed and they were responsive, then you don't need the token. Because the token, you know, you'll, you'll be confident I've been sent by God. Look at the response. I'm sent by God. But that's not the case. I mean, if all the Jewish people that you brought the gospel to responded and received the Lord Jesus Christ, it'd be really easy for you to be assured and confident that you were sent by God to them. But when all the Jewish people don't respond, and they don't appreciate when you bring them the gospel, and they say, we Jewish people don't proselytize other people like you do. And when they accuse you of killing a murderous crusader, and when they accuse you of being a Nazi, and a Muslim, and and wanting to destroy them, and that's not exactly the response you are looking for to receive the Lord Jesus Christ, then you'll doubt. You'll doubt. If you're really sent by God, if you're really aware you should be, if you should be here, God knew this. This is what Moses faced. And what about when the people under you, Moses, Moses, what are you going to do? When the people I'm sending to you to, when they stop obeying, when they become rebellious, and you're going to find that, Moses, then you're going to be tempted to really doubt, am I sent by God? And what about when the lost Jewish people reject the gospel, reject you, tell you, let's be friends, but don't talk about this like my cousin Tommy, do you always have to talk about Jesus Christ? I know he died for my sins, she says. When they tell you that, and they tell you, don't proselytize, we don't proselytize. Like the message I I got today. I know you're trying to convert me, my Jewish friend. No, you're trying to convert me. It'll never happen. If it ever does, I'll be so sad and so to. And when all these things and your people you care about, And you're naturally tempted to doubt, am I really sent by God? And that's when it's really, really important to know you are sent by God. Moses, this is going to be very, very important. 
Because the point is, is that success in God's work, success in God's work is not measured by people obeying God or responding by receiving the Lord Jesus Christ. That's not an indication. That's what Moses, as that was what Paul was bringing this out. This is the issue that Paul was really addressing. I mean, we love Romans 10. Romans 10 and 9, a favorite verse of mine. He goes on to talk about calling on the name of the Lord. With the mouth, confession is made. And, and uh, the heart, man believes. Well, Romans 10 goes on a little bit further than that. And in the 13th verse, it says, For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Keep reading. How then shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? How shall they believe in him of whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? And how shall they preach except they be sent? See, this is all the hows. How are they going to call on him that they haven't believed in? How are they going to believe in him if they haven't heard of him? How are they going to hear without a preacher? How is someone going to preach without being sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of them that preach the gospel of peace and bring glad tidings of good things. Keep this place here in Romans 10, but remember, in Exodus 3.8, God laid out for Moses the overall goal of the mission. The mission. Exodus 3.8. I am come down to deliver them out of the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them up out of that land unto a good land. Unto a good land and a large unto a land flowing with milk and honey. That's the mission. The goal of the mission is to deliver them out of the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them up out of that land unto a good land. That mission was twofold. There were two parts to it. Number one, to bring them up out of that land. Number two, unto a good land and a large land. The mission was twofold. Number one, it was to bring the Jewish people out of the land of Egypt. Number two was to bring them into the land of Canaan. There were two parts, out of Egypt into Canaan. That was the twofold mission. That's what they had to do. That mission would not be complete until both parts of the goal were accomplished. In order for the mission to have been accomplished, all of the Jewish people had to be brought out of the land of Egypt, and all of the Jewish people had to be brought into the land of Canaan. That's what you would understand when you heard the words, if you were Moses. That's what Moses understood when he heard the words of God in verse 8. That's what I understand. The mission is twofold. And in order for the mission to be a success, all of the Jewish people had to be brought out of Egypt, and all of the Jewish people had to be brought into Canaan. And if all of the Jewish people were not brought out of Egypt and into Canaan, then the mission would have been a failure. And if Moses did not bring all of the Jewish people out of Egypt and into Canaan, he would have been a failure. And if Moses would have brought all of the Jewish people out of Egypt and only half or 50% of the Jewish people into Canaan, then Moses would have been, would have succeeded by 50% and failed by 50%. So we can measure how much Moses succeeded and how much Moses failed by how many Jewish people were brought out of Egypt and brought into Canaan. 
And let's do the measurement. Let's do the measurement and find out how much Moses succeeded and how much Moses failed. All right? How many? It's very simple. We ask the question, how many of the Jewish people did Moses bring out of Egypt? First part of the mission. All of them. Answer, all of them. Moses brought 100% of all the Jewish people out of Egypt. Millions of Jewish people. Some have estimated 2.5 million. All right? Let's talk about those Jewish people who were above the age of accountability. And let's be very conservative about the age of accountability. We won't say the age of bar mitzvah. We won't say the age of, of 13. Let's be very conservative and we'll say the age of 20. So we'll say, all right, the age of accountability is 20 years old. So out of the two and a half million people, the two and a half million Jewish people, let's say about, I don't know, one and a half million maybe were above the age of accountability of 20 years old. Let's just focus. Let's just focus on those Jewish people who were above the conservative age of accountability of 20 years old, which let's say there were about one and a half million Jewish people like that. So Moses was able to bring out of Egypt 100% of all the Jewish people who were above the age of accountability, about one and a half million. Now, if Moses was only able to bring 750,000 of them, or 50%, into Canaan, then Moses would have succeeded by 50%, and Moses would have failed by 50%. I mean, after all, isn't that how we think? I mean, isn't that really what a rescue is all about? I mean, when a firefighter goes in and he says, there are 10 people in that burning building, and he goes in and he risks his life, and the others risk their life, and they go into the building, and they come out with five people, what do you think they think? We succeeded by 50%, we failed by 50%. That's what you do. After all, isn't that what people think? What do you think MacArthur thought? MacArthur thought when he was told, you've got to go evacuate, he says, I've got to evacuate my soldiers from the Philippines during the war with Japan, because i got to leave. And so MacArthur thinks he succeeds or he fails, or he measures his success, measures his failure, based on the number of men he's able to get out of the Philippines into safety compared to the total number of soldiers that are there in the Philippines. Now, if MacArthur was not able to get all of his soldiers out, people could say, MacArthur would say, I succeeded, and I failed. Even though people would go to MacArthur and they would say, they'd say, don't say that. It wasn't your fault. You did the best you can. You did the best you can. MacArthur would never listen. The firemen will never listen. Because MacArthur, the firemen, they always have the same thought. The same thoughts come to their mind. Oh, if I just would have, maybe if I did, what if I thought, oh, if I had just done this, if I had just done that differently, I could have saved some others, and the numbers would have been different. And those of his soldiers that he was not able to rescue, those of the people in the building that the firemen were not able to save, will always weigh on them. They'll always weigh, if the firemen are sensitive and MacArthur's sensitive, they'll always weigh on him. They'll always haunt him because they'll say, I could have, if only I would have. They'll always have these things. And that's what makes MacArthur the great leader. That's what makes a fireman a great fireman. Because they take responsibility for the people they've been entrusted to rescue. It's the same with Moses. It's just the same with Moses. 
Moses could be rated. Moses rates himself for his success, for his failure, based on the number of Jewish people he's able to bring out of Egypt and into Canaan compared to the total number of people, Jewish people. So now, let's see. Let's do the calculation. Let's do what Moses did in his mind. Let's just see how many of the 1.5 Jewish people who were above the age of accountability that Moses was actually able to bring into Canaan. I mean, how many? Let's find out how many of the 1.5 Jewish people that Moses was able to see come out of Egypt and go into Canaan. That's the mission. Well, the number is recorded for us in Numbers 14.28, where God says to Moses, Say unto them, As truly as I live, saith the Lord, as ye have spoken in my ears, so will I do to you. Your carcasses shall fall in this wilderness, and all that were numbered of you, according to your whole number, from twenty years old and upward, which have murmured against me, doubtless you shall not come into the land concerning which I swear to make you dwell therein, save Caleb the son of Jephunneh and Joshua the son of Nun, but your little ones, which you said should be a prey, them will I bring in, and they shall know the land which ye have despised. But as for you, your carcasses, they shall fall in this wilderness, and your children shall wander in the wilderness forty years and bear your whoredoms until your carcasses be wasted in the wilderness. All right, we got the number. So of the one and a half million Jewish people above the age of accountability, only two went into Canaan. That's all. Just two. Two. Names, Joshua and Caleb. You do the calculation. Two divided by 1.5 million. What's the percentage of that? Moses was 0.0001% successful. And Moses had failed 99 0.9999%. Moses was a 99.999% failure in accomplishing the mission that God had called him to. He had failed to bring in 99.9999% of the Jewish people above the age of accountability into the land of Canaan. And just like MacArthur There's nothing that anyone could say to Moses to make him feel anything else except a failure. Because Moses looked at 100% of the Jewish people that he led out to Egypt, that he stood on that mountain that God told him to look around and see, and he said, as any good leader would say, he said at that time, as any good leader would have said at that time, if it kills me, I'll bring all these people into Canaan. I'm giving my life to accomplish God's mission. And in the end, Moses realized that of all those people, all those one and a half million people, uh, Jewish people above the age of accountability, only two, just two. And Moses would have said, I failed, I failed, I failed. And God knew. God knew that that was going to happen. 
So before Moses set out, God packed into Moses' backpack a very, very special token. Moses, trust me, you're going to need this token. I'm giving it to you. And Moses would never forget, as he looked at that token, God sent me. God sent me. Because when Moses would hit the bottom of the pit of discouragement with a huge thud, Moses would need to open up that backpack and look at that token and bring back the memory that that token represented of all the people standing at that mountain and Moses serving God, and Moses would think, God sent me. I've been sent by God. And he would say, I remember God also not just sent me, but he told me he would be with me. Certainly, I will be with thee. Thank you for joining us today. We want to encourage you to go to our website, friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. There you'll find an online resource center of all of Tom Cantor's materials, a lot of them for free, but also many of them for purchase, including one of his most popular books, Frequently Asked Questions by Jewish People. Jewish people have a lot of questions that they need answered. Tom Cantor's written a book that covers almost every single question that a Jewish person could ask. It's one of our most popular books. It's available online at friendshipwithgod.org. We also have other resources such as Tom Cantor's Genesis and Exodus teaching series on video for disc DVD sets, and also one of his most popular tracks, How a Jew Became a Scientific Creationist. Now, Tom Cantor's not just a great Bible teacher, he's also a CEO and a scientist. And this small little book, 48 pages, was packed with science and supports the biblical truths of creationism. It's great for any atheistic friend. Get it today at friendshipwithgod.org or call us one 800 That's 1-800-247-3051. Thanks for listening.